things. Well, today I want to share with you the story of someone who is effectively looking for a new beginning and hoping that we can help make it happen. Her name is Amy Lee Daniels. She's a clinical social worker based here in Cape Town. And she has won a place at one of the world's most prestigious universities, offering her the opportunity to to further her studies overseas. But like so many students, she is struggling to find the funding to make that dream a reality. Welcome to Cape Talk. Thanks so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Now, where does that story begin? Did you grow up here in Cape Town? Uh, I grew up in Cape Town, yeah. Went to school here, did um, my studying year. Came to social work quite strangely. Uh, Initially, I uh, was studying business science at the University of Cape Town. But within a short period, just realized, you know, this is not what I want to do. Um, D registered, uh, was sitting at home for a little bit and my mom, who's the centre manager of a centre for um, abused women and children, she was like, there's no way you're sitting it down for the year, come with me to work. So I landed up going through uh, to the Place of Hope, volunteered there for the year mm-hmm. uh, and in that year just realised I absolutely loved uh, doing what I was doing there in a volunteer capacity, looked at how I could you know, formalise that um, found a social work degree and yeah I love what I do now and the rest is history I and mean a social work history. degree your honours at UCT yeah. I know with your research and your honours yes focusing on substance abuse in particular yeah so uh, during the final year of my undergrad I realised that it's very difficult um in the practical component when working with families or individuals to exclude substance abuse, even if mm. people were coming for, um, you know, panic attacks or depression or something that wasn't their presenting problem wasn't necessarily substance abuse. Um, it somehow there was a family member who was abusing, you know, a father was an alcoholic or they are in recovery. And I just realized there's no way to avoid it. Mm. So I thought, let me be better equipped. Um, and so after I graduated, uh, remained at the university to do a postgrad in substance abuse. And you now, you work in that field uh, with an NGO today? I, I work in that field, an NGO in Berkeley, yeah. Okay. Now, you have an opportunity that has presented itself and I want to hear how it came about, but the opportunity is a place at Columbia University in the States, one of the most prestigious institutions yeah. in the world. How did that, how did the offer come about? Um, after I, so did the postgrad, realize I think the value of postgrad, um, more knowledge, more skills, mm-hmm. um, definitely was interacting and helping and assisting my clients a lot better after the postgrad um, degree. So, realized you know i'd love to study further um looked into masters and, and i looked here yeah, i mean i loved my undergrad and postgrad um the department that i got it through are, are brilliant um but just looked abroad because then i started to think you know what we need drastic huge changes in social development here um and so i thought i'm not going to limit myself to just the institutions in south africa i was going to look abroad and uh, I, I think that i started by googling what the top master social work programs were in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, looked through the few. Columbia is currently dated four or five, I think. Um, read through it, fell in love with the clinical program that they have because um, I'm a clinical social worker at the moment. Uh, yeah, and again, the rest is history. I think uh, some people have said, you know, if Columbia is so expensive, why not look other places? But I've just completely bought into what they have to offer and the faculty that they have there. Mm. Yeah. There was a small uh, little glitch, though, that's called the RAND and what happened to the RAND last year that has uh, severely uh, put strain on your plans to get there. It is an expensive business studying at the best of times to study at a foreign country paying in dollars. How much do you have to raise just for your first year? So the first year, it's $42,000. So, I mean, it is, yeah, it is a lot of money. Um, And I think someone asked me a couple of months back, um, they were trying to be practical and think mm-hmm. and asked, you know, are you going to be able to make that kind of money back as a social worker in South Africa? Uh, and the reality is that that I'm not. But it got me thinking and I thought, 
you know, for me, it's it's not about how long it's going to take me to earn that money back. I think that the skills and the knowledge and just being in a university as prestigious as, as Columbia, I mean, you know, it's an Ivy League university for a reason. The, the mm. reputation really does the stand. And I just thought it's invaluable. I'm not putting a price on the experience that I can get there and coming back and being able to train or supervise the way that I, I will. Mm. So it is a lot of money. Yes. Well, I've just done the, the Google uh, conversion at 673,543 rand and 50 cents. Sounds a lot um, better in dollars, yeah. Okay, it's a big mountain to climb. But as you say, invaluable experience that you are intending, just to clarify, to bring back to South Africa. No, uh, definitely. So I've also um, applied for a couple of big scholarships. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. there aren't a lot of specialized scholarships for social workers. We do have one. Our um, national department has one, but it's for an undergrad year. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm applying for big general ones, um, which I'm hoping are going to cover the bulk of it. but yeah, I mean, it's. I definitely will plan to come back immediately. Also, a lot of those scholarships they do, if it's for developing countries or uh, fields like social work, they say you're going to go and be trained, but you're going to return as soon as you graduate. And work, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you haven't uh, just sat back and, and thrown your hands in the air and thought, I hope this happens. I believe you went so far as to start calling Fortune 500 companies, asking them for help. <laughs> yeah, so I actually, I got accepted last year, but didn't raise enough money to register in fall 2015, so in August. Um, but the school offer a one year that I could defer up to one year. So that's why the efforts have really tried to uh, pick up this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just got so frustrated. You know, people say, I mean, because the dance dollar is what it is. I thought, let me contact people in New York and organizations there who have an interest in social change. Wrote my story, was waiting for responses and very few came back. And eventually I just thought, you know where the money is? It's in the Fortune 500 companies. And one by one, I started sifting through who I thought you know, might have an interest in social change and do they have a CSI unit or an email? I mean, it, no promising uh, things came back from that. Um, but I just I just thought, ugh, why not? At least you know you've tried. At least mm. I know I've tried, yeah. yeah. I mean, let's talk a little bit about the realities of being a social worker. It, it, it is a profession that we often hear described as a calling rather than a yeah, job. Absolutely. And clearly you heard that call in the yeah. year that you were volunteering. Yeah. Talk to us about the realities of that job in South Africa. We know government has said we have an absolutely acute shortage Shortage, of social workers. What does that mean for you in the course of your work? It was actually that that headliner, I think, um, while I was volunteering at at my mom's uh, shelter, Place of Hope, I thought, um, you know, maybe social work, maybe psychology. And then one of the headlines was the acute shortage of social Mm -hmm. workers. And that's what made me, um, that's what made me apply. But... You know, I, so I work for an NGO and so I get a, um, I work on a schools project. So I work with adolescents. I also see some adult individual um, clients at the center itself. But from friends who have graduated um, and who are working directly with the Department of Social Ve- Development, their caseloads are, are huge. They've got 150, sometimes 200, you know, Ooh. active cases at the moment, not necessarily people they're seeing every day, but they have to manage that. And I think, I mean, burnout is extremely high in social work. Mm. Um, and that's also my efforts for the masters. I'm trying to make it as effective as possible, but also as pleasant for myself uh, as possible. You know, so if I believe that a masters is going to do something for my career and for social change in South Africa, then, mm. then I'm going to go for that. I mean, 150 to 200 cases, you must have to effectively... I don't want to, it's not the right word, but triage as a medical professional would do. Who gets your attention on a given day means the most crucial and pressing cases yeah. uh, obviously demand immediate attention, but that must leave a lot of people, 
don't want to say falling through the cracks, but not receiving the level of attention that you might like them to. No, and I'm definitely falling through the, the cracks, which is um, something that kept coming up in my motivation for masters is that I was saying, um, you know, we can have the scholarships for social workers here and we can be, you know, churning out lots of social workers to full posts, but it's about competent and effective social workers mm. who are actually going to make some kind of a change when they have a point of contact with a client who uh, comes forward and says, look, I, I need help from a professional. Mm. And that's that's again why I, I want to study further um, and receive more skills and techniques. It's so that if people are coming across um, my path and I'm seeing them, you know, I, I, I know what it is I have to do. I'm doing a proper needs analysis. And even if they only come once, some kind of a, a seed was planted there. Mm. Uh, as opposed to, I think, what a lot of social workers have to do is you prioritize who's more urgent. Um, you see them, but in the meantime, that long list underneath that maybe isn't as urgent, they slowly keep up the list. Mm. Um, and then when you do see them again, it needs more resources. They've already been in the system for a while and people, they do, they get recycled in our oh. social welfare system for sure. It's a very challenging profession to put it lightly, particularly in this country. And yeah. it must be hugely taxing on you as the social worker, particularly from an emotional point of view. How do you almost protect yourself against the realities you face every day? Yeah. Um, so I try to remember that um, you know, I'm not there to save everyone that I see, that I can try my best. Um, mm. But, you know, the, the motivation needs to be there um, for them to want to change as well Then when they come forward. So um, I try to remember that, that at least, you know, if they had one point of contact and they never come back, that they had a good experience with a social worker and that hopefully next time when they are ready, they'll think, well, you know, when I, I saw Amy, it wasn't so bad. Let me step up and mm. say that I need help. Um, but I think also, you know, my husband and family around and... Um, I mean, you use your, your support system as much as you can. I'm glad you mentioned your husband because he's been quite a driving force behind some yeah. of the fundraising efforts. Talk to us about hashtag Musenberg to Manhattan. <laughs> uh, so, Jazine Daniels, um, we've been married for about two, two and a bit years. Um, when I, I mean, he's always supported that I wanted to study further and when I started to, um, I'd, I'd sit up and write scholarship essay after scholarship essay mm -hmm. um, and work through those. And, you know, he, he could proofread it, but he always said there was something more that, that he wanted to do. Um, he's always had a, a love for photography and taking pictures. And I think one day, I, I'm almost sure that it was someone who said, um, you know, they really love his picture. Can um, one of his pictures that he had taken of, of Musenberg, can they mm -hmm. buy it? And I think from that, he began thinking, I wonder if I could make some extra money. Um, we know that it's not going to make a dent necessarily, a, a huge significant dent in the tuition fees that we mm -hmm. have to pay. But extra fees, applying for scholarships, that, that costs money. Um, visa costs, um, there's a lot of hidden costs in mm -hmm. in you know, moving and wanting to study abroad textbooks. I mean, that cost. So he just thought, you know, he'd start that. So um, he started taking pictures of Musenberg because we lived there, um, called it Musenberg to Manhattan and started selling pictures online at our local market, speaking about it to everyone who we came across. Yeah. I, also, I think primarily, so it's today's money, but also today's awareness mm -hmm. um, in the hope that someone with a very deep pocket sees it and thinks, I I'd love to support that. I'd like to help. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe that someone is listening right now, Emily. I do hope it happens. What I'm going to do is share the link uh, to, to the Musenberg to Manhattan uh, mm. website so you can take a look, read more of Emily's story, take a look at the photographs and, and share it as far and wide as you can, please. Question coming in on the email, a very interesting uh, question, I think, asking whether there is a private sector to social work in South Africa or is it all channeled through government departments and NGOs? No, there is. I, I actually um, met with a... 
um, sort of a, a mentor on the weekend and we were speaking about that um, and there is I mean you just have to have your qualification in social work I think and you can you know enter a room or a space and start mm-hmm. offering that um, but it I think that it takes a lot of resources I think maybe starting out um in a, because I'm a young social worker, so starting out in an NGO or in a system that is already established might first be helpful because then you Mm. know how the system works and you're able to help the clients or the families that come through a little bit better. But it is possible. Yeah. And I would imagine the the direst need is in the public sector. That's the other thing. So when you go private, you know, your your costs get a lot more expensive. The NGO that I work for, we we work all on donation base, so we are able to reach... um, you know, the population who otherwise wouldn't be able to go to a psychiatrist or mm. psychologist. Uh, and often the need is not only with the individual, it's with the family as one. Well, so we can offer that because it's donation basis. Once you go private, you really, you lose touch with, I think, people who really need the help. Need yeah. the help the most. Yeah. I'm interested, I know you're involved with outreach at schools, you said at the beginning. Um, talking to youth at risk, we know the Western Cape, particularly when it comes to substance abuse, we've got terrible problems. And, yeah. and the youth are at risk in uh, some in more areas in more areas, some, oh, tongue-tied, sorry. <laughs> some areas have a worse, uh, yeah, a more challenging yes. social structure where, where more youth would be at risk than others. But I'm interested to, to find how you are received. When you go to a school, you start engaging with children about the issue of substance abuse. It's in the press. We know what the facts are. Yeah. We know the dangers of drug use, yeah. of alcohol use. But we also know that in some areas and some communities, it is ingrained. And it is behavior which they model having watched adults behave. That's it, absolutely. Do you find there's been any progress? I mean, do you find when you go to a school, the kids are alert to this? Or is it something that they're blasé about? I think it so it it depends for the most part they are they are blase and when you come in and speak you're kind of uh, you're seen as an sometimes an external person who doesn't really realize the realities of where they mm. live so we try to um model the the materials that we have and we go in with around that you know saying we know what it is they they're going through and kind of making the material flexible and relevant to them um but it it definitely is a huge issue and like you say it's because their families use their you know, their parents use, and that's why they maybe start smoking marijuana on the weekends because mom and dad is drunk and sitting in the backyard um, or it's it's as an escape, you know, mm. I'll just... Um, all the sibling taking care of the younger ones and the, the father is an alcoholic and so on the weekends once or twice they think I just need to get away from it and they smoke and it's very difficult to say let me take that coping mechanism away and teach you some healthy ones with with limited resources you know and to not mm. have the skills so that's that's also a, definitely a challenge still at play. So the challenge is to get Amy Lee to New York, to Columbia University. Yeah. She is fundraising to try and make it happen. You've got until August uh, to get there. I've got until August. Okay. Yeah. So that target is a scary one, $42,000, which, as I did the math, 673,000 rand. It's a very, very big target to reach, but mm. we really hope you're going to get there, Amy Thank Lee. You. I've shared the uh, link to uh, the website on our Twitter feed, and uh, we'll pop it up on the Cape Talk website as well. If anybody is listening, feeling that they can help or would like to know more about the story, please do get in touch with me by email, H at Cape Talk co.za and we'll put them in touch with you i absolutely hope that you get there thank you thank you so much and thank you so much for sharing your story with us